Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, um, you know, Jesus anticipated his crucifixion. He knew it was coming. And he told his disciples that the, the resurrection was going to happen. They, they didn't understand it. Uh, and he knew that he was going to go back to his father. And he told his disciples that he was going to leave. This troubled them. Uh, they did not want Jesus to leave, to leave because life with Jesus is so fulfilling. Uh, they love being with Jesus. I mean, his teaching is beautiful. Uh, his compassion, unprecedented. His power, unparalleled. Uh, and, and so this whole idea of, of Jesus leaving, just it, it, it rocked their worlds. Yet at the same time, Jesus was helping them to understand that this actually needed to happen because um, Jesus, he was going to be crucified. He was going to walk out of that tomb. The tomb was going to be empty. He was going to ascend to the Father. Uh, and as it happened, Holy Spirit was, was going to be poured out. The Spirit of God would be, would be, would be poured out. And, and, and in, the, in the book of John, chapters 14 through 16, Jesus, I've just got some excerpts. We'll read them up here uh, on the screen. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Jesus, Jesus is talking about this moment, that, that uh, this Pentecost day that's coming, that, that the Spirit will be poured out. Holy Spirit will come. And by the way, you, you'll hear me refer to, uh, instead of the Holy Spirit, I often say Holy Spirit. And, um, and the reason I do that is because I, I want to try everything I can to personalize who this member of the Trinity is. And so j- just that word, the, sometimes makes us think about it as an it. The Spirit is an it, not it's a person. And, and the word the gets in the way. It'd be like Trina calling me the Steve, although I told her it was a pretty good idea. Um, but it just helps me personalize who he is because I, I fall back into this trap. Of, of not, not understanding that. And so I'm not saying you have to do that. Just, I just want you to understand why, I, why I'm doing that. Jesus is talking about Holy Spirit, and, and, he, and the disciples are a little troubled by that. But what he's referring to is this moment that Joel, Joel was a prophet, uh, and he lived hundreds of years before Pentecost Day, but he prophesied. And uh, in, in Joel chapter 2, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And what Jesus is getting at here as he's talking about the spirit coming, what Joel is getting at is that there is coming a day when, when Holy Spirit is not just for a select few, uh, not, not just priests, not just prophets, not just kings, for everyone. Age will not matter. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. The spirit is for you. It doesn't matter where where you're at in social class, whether you're a servant or you're a king. Holy Spirit is for you. It doesn't, gender doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. The Holy Spirit is for you. 
And Jesus is, he's talking about this day. Now the disciples are just, they're discouraged, they're discouraged and they're disappointed. But, um, but you probably know as we were in our series called Revolution, we looked at the book of Acts and we looked at this moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out. In Acts 2, the church is in the upper room, 120 people, and the Holy Spirit is poured out, and the church is empowered. Uh, They they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they spill out into the streets, and the nations are in town because it's a festival, and they hear the praises of God in their own language, and they're intrigued, and and Peter preaches this message, and and 3,000 people come to Christ in that moment. The the family gets larger. The church is empowered, and and it's not just in Acts 2, because if you remember Acts 3, you got a lame man who's from birth. He's been lame. Everyone knows that this, this guy can't get around on his own. He's carried around by his friends. But in Acts chapter 3, he's actually, he's actually told just to get up. And in the power of the Spirit, this lame man is healed. And he's walking. He's leaping. And people are astonished. And, and the, you keep going in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. We, we, we were introduced. We, we, know this, we know this guy, Peter. He's, he's, he makes bold promises. But around the fire that night when Jesus was arrested, this guy who promised that he would die for Jesus was afraid to be associated with Jesus because of the personal harm it might bring to him. And he denied Christ three times. Yet in Acts chapter 4, he's staring down the very men who arrested Jesus and had Jesus executed. He's there with his friend John, and he's, he's saying, no, we're, must obey God rather than men, and no, we're going to keep on preaching. And, and those guys don't know, what they, they don't know what to do with him. Peter is so empowered by Holy Spirit that people actually are they're gathering around the street where he might walk by so that in case his shadow falls on them, they might be healed. That's, that's, that's being very saturated with the presence of God when people are wanting just to be in your shadow for the potential of healing. And a little bit farther in our series, we learned about Paul and how he was a murderer of Christians, a persecutor of Christians, and how uh, how Holy Spirit got a hold of his life, how Jesus got a hold of his life. And he, he planted churches in the power of the Spirit. He saw people delivered from evil spirits in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and the church is empowered. And it's moving forward. The kingdom of God is advancing. And as you look at the early church, it's very interesting because here are people who are having a, a rich experience with Jesus through his Spirit. And they're having deep encounters with God. But they really don't know much about Holy Spirit. They don't have a lot of information, just what they have from Scripture. Contrast that with with many today who have all kinds of information at their fingertips about who Holy Spirit is. All kinds of theology theology books you can purchase, professors that you can sit under. I mean, heck, you can just Google Holy Spirit and, and, and you get all kinds of information like that. But friends, so many today, not everyone... But so many today, unlike the early church who has a deep, rich experience and and great encounters with the Holy Spirit, the empowered church, so many today have all kinds of information but such a shallow encounter and experience with the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? 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 Jesus was excited to go back to the Father, not just to be reunited with the Father, but so that the Spirit could be poured out. And so the church could be empowered. Why so little information and such rich encounters with God and so much information and so little encounter with God? And I, there's 
I'm not going to give an exhaustive list of why I think why, but I'm going to just give a, take a stab at it. Um, and, and maybe just give some practical ways that we could lean towards deepening our friendship with Holy Spirit. The first thing I would say, say is this. This is why many people don't have that, that, that deep experience like that early church had. was because Satan intensely fears an empowered church. The enemy of our souls. Yes, there is an enemy. There, there is a devil. He's, he's called the adversary. And Satan intensely fears an empowered church. So he will pull out all the stops that he can to keep us from plugging into the power source. Francis Chan in his book called The Forgotten God captures this well. He says, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get Christians to ignore the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's exactly what he does. And some of the ways that he, he, he actually accomplishes this is, I'll give you, give you a couple. One of the ways is that he just, he just lowers expectation. He just, just robs us of, of, dampens our expectation or robs us of an expectation of an encounter with God. And sometimes what that sounds like or what that looks like, it, it comes through, through teaching. And it, 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 you, may have heard, you may have heard something like this, but you know, there's that deep encounter, this rich experience of the early church. And by the way, we're not trying to re recreate that, but what we're trying to remember is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while, while the book of Acts, this is the, this is the, the acts of the Holy Spirit. This is the, the highlight reel of the early church. And yet God longs for you to have an encounter as well. But Satan does not want that to happen. So he wants to dampen and rob you of that expectation of that very thing happening. And oftentimes what it will sound like is, you know, what was happening then, that, that was then because the, the church needed to get it kind of a, 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 a you know, launched out of the chute, get, get, get going out and needed to go global and it did, and there's all those miracles, and churches got established, and um, it went, you know, it went global. But, and then we got God's word, which is a treasure, spirit inspired, God breathed. We 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 should we should know the scriptures inside and out. But what, what, what many are teaching is that well, that was for them, but this is now. Now we got the scriptures, so we shouldn't anticipate those things and those those those. Not all the gifts, but certain gifts, those, those aren't, we don't need those today. Um, and, and, and this is our new reality. And I, friends, one author captures um, this idea pretty well. He says, if you assign 10 new believers the task of studying the Bible to find God's heart for this generation, not one of them would conclude that spiritual gifts are not for today. You have to be taught that stuff. The doctrine stating signs and wonders are no longer needed because we have the Bible, was created by people who hadn't seen God's power and needed an explanation to justify their own powerless churches. This was an idea like, okay, why is this not happening? And so this, these are not bad people. I'm not, people are never the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. But sometimes, sometimes teaching like that, what it does is it robs us of an expectation of an encounter with Jesus. And, and you need to know, whether it's your first time you've been here, we believe all the gifts are active for today. We believe there's, there's ways those gifts function. But, you, but you, you need to understand something. The enemy wants to rob us of expectation. And he also wants to discourage pursuit. Many years ago, a very well-meaning person said to me very clearly and sternly, Steve, you got all the Holy Spirit you needed at the moment you were converted. Now, 
I, I understand the heart, but I, I also think that what that does is it, it discourages a pursuit of Holy Spirit. In fact, because we are a people who come under the word, because we want the scriptures to inform how we think about who God is and about what his desires are for us, we, we looked at the scriptures on this topic, and let me, this, is a, this can be a little bit confusing, so let me just lay this out for us. You see, when you became a Christian, there were, right before you became a Christian, the, 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 there was a part of you that was not alive. It was dead. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in our sin. We were, there, there was a part of us that just was not alive. But when we gave our life to Christ, when those folks went to the cross last week and they pounded a white ribbon, they prayed to invite Jesus to be their leader and forgiver. When they did that, they came alive in God. A part of them was reborn. And Paul writes about that very moment and about what happens in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes... And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, now think about that moment when you believed in Christ, because what he's about to say happened in you if you are a Christ follower. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. you got to get this. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the Spirit of God, not only, not only were you regenerated or reborn, that the Spirit came into you and you were indwelled by the Spirit and he lives in you now and no one can take the indwelling of the Spirit from you. You are marked in the Spirit. You are marked as belonging to Jesus. And you have a future, you have an inheritance that's yours in Christ Jesus. It's, it's amazing all that God has done. And, and, and that, that's a reality. But friends, yes, you have the Spirit in you, but Jesus wants you to have the Spirit on you. And much like we talked about at the very beginning of our Revolution series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it because I went into depth on this, but the disciples were breathed on. By Jesus in John chapter 20, and he wouldn't let them go on mission until a Pentecost happened, until they were empowered by the Spirit. And so, so we, and we not only see this in Pentecost, we see this all through the book of Acts. I mean, Acts chapter 4, the same group that's in the upper room, and Acts 2, and Acts 4, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Filled again. Another filling of the Spirit. And by the way, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out, they're speaking in different languages, and the, the nations are hearing about God in their, in their own tongue. Acts chapter 4, when the, when the Spirit comes, now they have boldness for evangelism. So, so sometimes we, when we, we make the mistake of, of saying, well, this is what it looks like. No, there's, you read through Acts, it just, man, you just can't put God in a box. He operates in so many different ways. But we see here, it's the same people. They're already believers and again being filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 8. This is fascinating. There's a revival in this place called Samaria. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Get this. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I thought I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I, when I believed. Well, let's keep going. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. 
They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you seeing this? Acts 9. Paul, is, he's converted on the road to Damascus. He's, he's already calling Jesus Lord. Now he's in a house. He's blind. And Jesus is going to prompt this guy named Ananias to go have a visit with him. You ever had a nudge from the Spirit that just kind of made you nervous? That's Ananias. This, this, Lord, this guy, this guy killed people. He imprisoned people. And just go. Just take, take this risk. Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul has the dwelling spirit in him when he gave his life to Christ, as did the believers in Samaria. Yet it's Jesus' desire the Holy Spirit comes on them. In fact, Acts 19 to me just really, I mean, the implications of the question Paul asks some new believers is fascinating. He says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. We talked about that city some weeks ago. Rob Basham did. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Friends, the implication of that question is massive. Because the enemy intensely fears as an empowered church. And so what he wants to do is rob expectation. Oh, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Or you got everything you need, but what you see in the book of Acts is a pursuit. There's more. And Holy Spirit wants to reveal more of Jesus to you. Yet the enemy intensely fears that very thing from happening because things like the book of Acts take place. And the kingdom of God advances. Here's a second reason. Second reason I won't spend as much time on. Friendship with a physical being, people, comes natural for us. While friendship with a spiritual being, Holy Spirit, does not. It's very natural to meet someone and to, and to strike up a conversation and to learn about them. And, and you begin recognizing their voice and you know how to interact with them. But doing that with a spirit, God is spirit. Now that's not natural. It's very unnatural. I don't know if you noticed, if you have kids, when my kids were younger and they were playing with toys in the living room or in their bedroom, they would, you know, their imagination is going and they're talking and, and, and then I, you listen and you realize they're, they're having a, they have an imaginary friend. That is natural, normal for a five or six-year-old. When you're 50, people look at you sideways a little bit, okay? <laughs> and they question that. It's not so natural. And this challenge, we, we are recovering rationalists and naturalists. This is something that we, we, we want to get our hands on. We want to see. We want to taste. We want to get all our senses involved. And the senses can be involved, but we're talking about relating to spirit. This is hard for us. So wh why, why rich encounter, little information, not so rich of encounters, and lots of information? I think some of it is just because the, en the enemy intensely fears this happening. I think it's just unnatural. It's challenging for us, which is why we do things like recognizing God's voice conference because we want people to grow and because it's challenging. It's counterintuitive. Lastly, here's, here's the last thing I would say is that we prefer comfort over risk and maybe I should just be talking about myself. Here's what happens. When expectation rises and a pursuit takes place, and you start recognizing God's voice. And you start noticing the spirit nudging and prompting. 
one of the very first things you'll discover is that where he sends or how he sends will take you out of your comfort zone, but it will lead you to a deep encounter. Jesus goes to see his cousin, John. John's going to baptize him in water. John does, baptize him in water. He's baptized in water. He comes out of the water. The dove, the spirit comes on him, and he's then baptized in the spirit. The father speaks, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, the whole trinity is there. And then what's the very first thing the spirit prompts Jesus to do? What's the very first, okay, front end of ministry, here's what we're going to do, here's where we're going to take you. To the desert. That's the first, this, it's not comfortable in the desert. It's hot during the day, it's cold at night. There's wild animals in the desert. There's not a lot of resources in the desert. There's no Wi-Fi there. there it's, it's just, this is, this is gonna, it's gonna rob us of comfort. Jesus is gonna go into the desert and he's gonna encounter the adversary, the tempter. And he's gonna be tempted. And that's gonna, it's gonna be a brutal experience as he's fasting. See, this is what, this is what Holy Spirit does. He begins nudging. He starts moving you out of your comfort zone. It's going to take, take some, some faith because it feels risky. And you see this through the book of Acts. You've got Barnabas. He sells his property and he brings the proceeds to the church. And Barnabas is a human being. And I, I've got to guess that somewhere in the back of his mind, as he's bringing his, his finances, his profits from his, from his land sale to the church, that he's got to be thinking, ah, is this the right thing to do? Because what if I have a health issue? And what if i gotta, I got to pay medical bills? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if my car breaks down? And what if, what if, what if? It's risky. It, 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 it pulls you out of your comfort zone. And some of you go through this, I mean, I, I, I want to invite that person to church and you're, and, or, you know, to, to, you want to have a conversation with them and there's something and he's like, ah, oh, if I do that, then maybe it'll strain our friendship. If I, if I follow through in that prompting, maybe it'll make them angry, they'll be frustrated with me or they'll paint me and put me in a box and put a label on me and it's risky because God pulls us out of our comfort zones. And th this, is, this is what happens. But friends, the reason the early church has such a deep encounter with, with Jesus through his spirit is because when the spirit nudged them and prompted them, it's not that they didn't struggle with that. It's just that when they did follow through, what ends up happening is it leads them to a deeper encounter with Jesus. And my guess is that you're here because you want, you want an encounter. You want a rich experience with Jesus. And Jesus has sent his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, for us. Holy Spirit. So that we might experience that very thing. So that we might, we might know God. And we might see the impossible become possible only by Jesus Christ. So wh where do you begin in that journey? By the way, it's a short series we're doing here, three or four weeks, and leading up to Pentecost in May. So how do we deepen that friendship? A couple practical things, and we'll wrap up. First thing I would simply say is this. Tell Holy Spirit you desire to deepen your friendship with him. Just start there in prayer. Holy Spirit, I don't know if I recognize your voice. I don't know where to begin. I'm frustrated you just poured out, but, but I want a deeper friendship with you. That's, just start there. There was a guy named John Flavel. He was a preacher in England. Uh, he knew his Bible 
He preached the word every weekend, yet he longed for more. He longed to know Jesus more. He longed for an encounter with Holy Spirit. He was on a walk one day, and his personal journal captures his experience. I want to read it for you, because my sense is that there's some of you in the room that this is his story. It's going to spark something in you. He says, I was alone on a journey spending the day in contemplation. I spent much time meditating on the waters of Ezekiel's vision. Ezekiel, there's a book named after him. He has a a picture of, of water in this river that gives life. I had this, I spent much time meditating on the waters of Ezekiel's vision until at last I was swept up in an overwhelming flood of the Spirit's presence. I was filled with a heavenly joy and had a full assurance that I belonged there. I utterly lost all concerns of the world and for hours knew no more where I was than if I were in a deep sleep. Arriving in great exhaustion at a certain spring, I sat down and washed, earnestly desiring that if it was God's pleasure, that this this might be my parting place from the world. Death had the most amiable face in my eyes that I had ever beheld except the face of Jesus Christ. And I do not remember, though I believed myself dying, that I ever thought of any earthly concerns. On reaching my inn, the influence still continued, banishing sleep from my eyes. Still the joy of the Lord overflowed me, and I seemed to be an inhabitant of the other world. Now listen to this this, this last few words he says. I call that day one of the days of heaven and profess that I understood more of the life of heaven by it than by all the books I've ever read. That's what one encounter with Holy Spirit will do. Revelation of who God is. Assurance that you belong to him. The love of the Father washing over you and joy rising in your soul. Some of you, I'm telling you, you have an encounter ahead of you. And Jesus longs just to show you how much he likes you and loves you. But it comes by pursuit. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Second thing I would say to you is this. Find the most spirit-filled person that you know and ask them about their friendship with Holy Spirit. Just just think, who's someone that you you think swims in these currents or someone that has a sense, they're a little bit farther along, they they don't have to be so far along. Just, okay, tell tell me your story. Take them out for coffee, buy them lunch, have them over to your apartment or your house for dinner and just say, tell me your story. I'm I'm on this journey and I just want to learn more. Ask them and learn from them. Have them pray for you. Third thing is sort of connected to this whole thing about comfort zones and risks. Is Holy Spirit nudging you to do something that feels uncomfortable, perhaps even risky? So even as I brought that up, there was something in you. It's like, ah, there it is again. Let me tell you something. On the backside of that step of faith is an encounter with Holy Spirit. It's an experience with Jesus that will, I'm telling you, 
It would lead you into a deeper friendship with him. The kind of friendship the early church had. Again, we're not trying to recreate their experience. We have our own encounters to experience. But it comes from expectation. It comes from hunger and pursuit. It comes through this developing an unnatural relationship. It's, It's hard for us. And it comes by expressing faith. And I want to pray for us uh, to that end. Let's pray. So Lord, here we are. We're yours. Oh, thank you so much, Spirit of God, for sealing us for the day of redemption. No one can ever take that from us. I thank you. Lord, for every hungry heart in this room, as you pour out your spirit, may we be a people who know that the spirit of God is within us. And Lord, who, like that early church, Lord, the spirit of God was on them. Oh, spirit of God, be on us. And some in the room, Lord, have had that encounter and they're hungry for more experiences with you, more knowledge of you. Oh, God, would you keep filling us? We want to walk in the fullness of who you are, not so that we can chase experiences, so that we can, we can represent you well to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, to our neighborhood, Lord, to the world. Lord, Holy Spirit, we know that you desire to glorify Jesus. That's the very thing that we desire, and we say to you, we can't do that on our own. We need you. So come, Holy Spirit. Come fill us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and help us lift high the name of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.